You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Amen. So we honor them tonight. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to take you uh, to six different passages tonight. And we are going to look at at uh, uh, some different things here. And uh, the title of our thought tonight will begin. Uh, We may end it. We'll see how this goes. Um, But the Jacobs are here tonight, and you know I don't have a good track record at completing things uh, on time. But I do complete on time, so just somebody say praise the Lord there. We won't keep you. Brother Philip told me that I think I have an hour and 45-minute battery life on the cordless uh, microphone here tonight. But we'll be mindful of that as school has started up for some people. How many are in school Already, anybody in school? I know we've got a couple, and others are going back. How many go back to school next week? Anybody going back to school next week? No, no? A few of you up there raising your hands. So I know school's starting, so we'll be mindful of that. But we want to get right into the Word of the Lord tonight. So I hope you have your Bibles. I hope you have your notebooks or some way to be able to take notes. And we're going to talk from this thought, and that is... This is an irregular title, perhaps, non-typical, but we're going to talk from this thought, don't be ignorant. So turn to somebody and tell them, don't be ignorant. All right, so don't be ignorant. Six things you should know. Six things you should know. I enjoy lists. I'm a list person. I like to make lists. I have on a couple occasions in my life, I have to confess, that I have actually made a list of my list because I had too many lists not trying to figure all those things out. So I do. I keep different lists. If anybody else in here understand me, you keep lists, have a list, then you remake the list and uh, all different kinds of things. So you have a list for this and that and that and you collect things. And and then I just, I sort of observe things by list. I actually uh, uh, sometimes keep sort of a, a record of, of life adventures by keeping a list. And so I enjoy lists. So tonight we are going to look at a list, if you will. And uh, this is where I'm preaching tonight or teaching from my Dakes Annotated Study Bible. So if you don't have a Dakes Annotated Study Bible, um, I'd recommend it. It's got a lot of interesting stuff in here. It's probably the study Bible with the absolute most information in here, but it also has the tiniest print known to mankind. And so it it is uh, hard to read uh, on occasions, but it's full of good lists. And so I was studying in my notes today, and I was looking up something that I had been in discussion about with a good friend of mine, Pastor Adam Solorio, pastors in Casey, Illinois. And he was talking uh, about the times that Paul says, I would not have you be ignorant. Or if we put it in 2020 language, don't be ignorant. Paul's desire that you not be ignorant. And it's interesting because if you begin to pull these things out and highlight them, they're not all the same topic, but they are different things written to different people or different groups or congregations and written at different times in church history as well as Paul's life 
But all of them evoke out of Paul a sentiment that say, don't be ignorant about this. Don't be naive about this. Don't be oblivious to this. Uh, don't be uninformed. So in, in Dake's uh, Bible here, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, off to the side, he has a list, six things not to be ignorant of. And in his list, interesting, he has the six places that Paul says don't be ignorant. So tonight, by the help of the Lord, in just the next few minutes, we're going to cover six totally different topics. And somebody say, bless him, Lord. Bless him, Lord. Amen. Uh, so six things that we are not to be ignorant of. Now, the Apostle Peter writes a couple epistles, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and in those he gives us a couple things to be ignorant of. So really this list is confined to just the Apostle Paul and his feelings. Uh, Paul later on talks about how we are not ignorant of Satan's devices, but he doesn't tell us not to be ignorant. He states the obvious. He says, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. But these six things that Paul gives to us are things that he says, be careful that you're not ignorant of this. Be careful that you're not ignorant of this. Now, before we get into it, I do want to highlight one passage of Scripture just for those of you that find this interesting. Uh, uh, there is one passage of Scripture where Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and 38, I find this humorous, but if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Or as the footnotes of the New Living Translation says this, if you are ignorant of this, stay in your ignorance. Now, that must have been Paul's, Paul must have been having a bad day on ministry that day. Help me out a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Where he says, look, if you're ignorant of this, just I, there's, there's no help for you kind of thing. You're just, you're just going to be ignorant of this. So we're not looking at that. There's a little humor here on Wednesday night. So uh, that's, that's a good uh, verse of scripture for you just to keep in your own arsenal there. You can just pocket that away for future youth whenever the spirit of the Lord moves upon you. But what we're talking about tonight is don't be uninformed. Literally, what are we saying? Don't be uninformed. Don't go through your Christian walk unaware of these things, six things that you've got to be aware of. So Paul's admonishment to us not to be uninformed, or we could say it this way, don't be oblivious. Oblivious. How many have ever caught yourself in a situation where you were absolutely oblivious of something? And maybe it was the obvious. I remember one time we were evangelizing. I still remember the details we were evangelizing. And uh, we were in Norman, Oklahoma. And my wife was going shopping that day, so I dropped her off at the mall. And I was meeting up with another minister, and we were meeting up at the bookstore at Barnes & Noble. And we walked into, book, into the bookstore, and uh, he had his little, uh, uh, I think at the time, Bryce, Bryson was maybe like three years old or something like that, two, two or three, he was a little tot. And so we walked in there, and there was story time. So he went to the back of the store, I think it was a Barnes & Noble, and he was at the back of the store, and they were having story time. And I thought, well, you know, this is, this is, this is cute for him, but while they're there, I'm going to go get some coffee. Well, we had walked in, Brother Zarita, into the store. We had walked all the way to the back of the store 
where the story time was, where the children's section was. And I, I said, I'm going to go get some coffee. Well, I knew when I walked into Barnes & Noble that they had a Starbucks sign on the window when you walked in. So I was looking for Starbucks. So I'm in the store looking for Starbucks. And I, I'm in the back of the store. And I look around the perimeter of the store and I don't see anything. And so you know how normally when you walk into a Barnes & Noble, there's a Starbucks off to the right or off to the left, right there, somewhere on the side. So I walk from the back of the store to the front of the store again. And I look around the perimeter of the store and all I see around the entire perimeter of the store is genres of books. And I thought, this is crazy. I walked back up to the front and I looked at the window and there was the Starbucks sign. I thought, this is false advertising. And I'm looking around, all around. I'm walking the perimeter of the store and I can't find the coffee shop. And finally, I go up to the desk and I ask the person, I said, could you tell me where Starbucks is at? Now, I'm a grown person, folks. I went to college. And they turned around and said, you mean there, the middle of the store, right in the middle of the store, where my mind had pre-programmed it was the information desk. I had walked from the front to the back, from the back to the front. I had looked all around, gone outside, checked back in, and still could not see. I was oblivious. That's what I'm talking about when I say don't be oblivious. This is how some, come on folks, sometimes this is how we are in our Christian life, in our Christian walk. We've got troubles, we got circumstances, we got problems, and we're coming in and we're looking for help and we're whining and crying. Come on, nobody's going to help me preach on Wednesday night. <laughs> you know, leave me up here like I'm the only one that, y'all sitting back there saying, oh, I would never do that. <laughs> you were just looking for your glasses this week. I, I discerned and you had them on your head and you could not find them. <laughs> Oblivious. Don't be oblivious. So what is Paul saying? He's saying that it is possible to go through your Christian life and be oblivious of certain truths. So these are things that we do not want to be oblivious or naive to. God, help me to know this. So I'm giving you tonight, by the help of the Lord, six things that you should know. Six things that you should know. Let's begin in book of Romans. And if you'll just follow along, we'll go to book of Romans chapter number one. And the very first one that we're going to read here, by the way, my order is going to be a little bit different than Dake's order. If you, if you have a Dake study Bible and you find this, my order is a little bit different, but it's all, all together here. The very first one we're going to look at is one that's a little bit more of a personal note to Paul in his expression, but it's one that is a truth of, of the church at large. Let's go to verse 13. He says this, Now I would not have you ignorant brethren that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, or was, was prohibited until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Verse 14, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. The first thing that you should know is the obligation of the gospel to reach 
the lost. The obligation of the gospel to reach the lost. Paul says this, I would not have you ignorant. He said, I purpose to come to you. I heard about the church at Rome and without going into the history, phenomenal things are taking place at the church at Rome. And Paul so desired to be there, but on his mission trips, he was only able to travel so far. And, and now he's riding the church at Rome from the city of Corinth, where there's great miracles taking place. And he says, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you also. Why? He said, because I am a debtor. I am a debtor. Now that's an interesting thing. Paul, as the apostle of Christ says, I am a debtor to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise or to the educated and the uneducated. I'm a debtor. He's saying I have an obligation. Somebody say obligation. There is an obligation when God has changed your life, when you have a testimony. We thank God for the testimony. We praise God for the testimony. But can I tell you, when God has been good to me, my obligation is not only to come to God and praise him, not only to come to church and to worship him and to love him, but I have an obligation that if God has saved me, then he can save others also. Hallelujah. I have an obligation. He says, I have a burden. I had a desire to go preach the gospel that I could see fruit take place over there. That's why the church has to be bigger than itself. And that's why the church has to be bigger than you and me. And that's why the church has to be bigger than just CTK. And that's why the church has to be bigger than our four walls. And that's why the church has to be bigger than just our region and our community. But there is an obligation, amen, to reach the lost that whosoever will... Amen. That's why we have tonight two pastors planning churches, digging out churches. Here we are, 2020, pandemic. This is not the best time to plan a church. Everything by human logic says now's not the time to start a church. Amen. But there's a gospel. There's a word that says, hey, it doesn't matter if it's right. It doesn't matter if it seems smart. I've got an obligation. I'm a debtor. And can I tell you, God's going to make a way. Hallelujah. God's going to make a way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Amen. So, so we, we have two, two uh, ch church planters here in our congregation tonight. What an honor. I give honor to both of them. I'm going to tell you, church planting is um, it's no pipe dream. There, there are going to be hard days. There's going to be many days of, of loneliness. I'm going to tell you, the greatest thing you could do is to put these people and these names on your prayer list and to call them out in prayer. And then not just call them out in prayer, but stay in touch and encourage them and let them know, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, you're doing good. And then more than that, we've got to support. Amen. Support. Put actions behind our words. That's why we support missions around the world. There's an obligation. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, don't be oblivious about this. So church cannot just be about a consumer mentality. Didn't Sister Larissa do so great here last Wednesday night when she was preaching? She was talking to us about 
the book of Mark. She was talking about consumer Christianity. Amen. I'm going to tell you, no, consumer Christianity is not what gets it. If church is only about what appeases you, then you don't, you don't even understand the definition of being crucified with Christ. Amen. This cannot be about me. I thank God when I can come to a church and it has things that bless me. I thank God for that. And as a church, we ought to seek to do everything that we can to minister to every demographic, the the handicapped, the the wise, the uneducated, the poor. It doesn't matter, the children, the young, the old. We ought to be able to do everything we can to reach everyone, but we're not coming to the church, amen, like we go to entertainment to see what we can get out of it, amen. We come to give. We come to serve. We come to lay our lives back down for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how revival takes place. That's how lives are changed. That's how hearts are changed. That's authentic Christianity. Amen. Moving right along. Number two. So, so the first one is an obligation of the gospel to reach the lost. Number two, let's go to Romans chapter number 11. And Romans chapter number 11 here um, is uh, a passage where he's talking about Israel and he's talking about the Gentiles. If you will, he's covered with me, or he's covered, if you will, with me, he's covered before. Just just take my words on this. You go back and read where he's talking about the differences between Israel and the Gentiles, how God used Israel, but there was a stumbling block, and now he was reaching to the Gentiles. And he's saying, he's giving a warning to us and saying, be careful because if God, who now has turned from Israel and is looking towards the Gentiles, turned from them, don't think that you're so great that God can't turn from you and look back to them. And in fact, he goes on and he says, for I would not, brethren, that ye should, this is verse 25 of chapter number 11 of Romans, I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceit. So here's here's the reason. Don't be wise in your own conceits. Don't be puffed up and think, well, look at me. I'm so great. He said that the blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their Sins. Here's the second truth that you should not be ignorant and that ignorant of or oblivious to or naive about, and that's this, that God's plan to save the Gentiles or the entire world through the promises he made to Israel. God planned to save the entire world through the promises he made, amen, to Israel. What's that saying? That's this, that God is not playing favorites. God always desired to save the whole world. God was not coming down to the world and looking at Abraham and saying, I'm only going to love Abraham. No, God loved the whole world from the beginning. He loved everyone, but the whole world turned in iniquity and walked away from him except for Abraham. There was a man that had faith in God. And so God says to Abraham, I'm going to give you a covenant. 
But at the giving of that covenant, he tells Abraham this, that through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. God never chose a favorite in Israel, in the people of Abraham, in the seed of Abraham, and says, I love you more than the rest of the world. No, but he honored one man's faith and obedience, and he said, I'm giving you a covenant, but that covenant is going to be a blessing to the entire world. Amen. But just because you and I are Gentiles and now we are saved does not give us the right. Here's what Paul is flipping the coin. And he says, it does not now give us the right to look upon Israel, to look down upon them as the one that crucified the Savior and the Lord because God has given them promises that someday are going to come to pass. What's that mean? Amen. God doesn't play favorites. This is not about just you and me. Amen. But this is about God loving the whole world. Hallelujah. I'm thankful that God loves every one of us equally and independently and corporately. Amen. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant of this. Don't be ignorant of this. Can I tell you, there's been dark places in church history. Some of the darkest times of church history is times when church history has been the greatest cause of, uh, 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 of uh, 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 anti- Semitism. Is that what I'm saying, right? Is that the word I'm looking for? Uh, not only that, of the church in times in church history, dark places where church church history tells us that certain groups will start thinking that they are the called and the chosen to the point that no one else's life matters, that there's a disregard of those lives. Can I tell you, that is contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't go around as other religions seeking for converts or killings. That's not our way. God says, no, he's long suffering. Amen. We love unconditionally. Hello, Paul saying, don't be ignorant of this. If you're not careful. Now, today we, we live in a global world like never before with technology, with, with media, with devices. Uh, just this week, communications on a weekly basis with people around the world uh, I'm in contact with. That would have been hard-pressed to have happen uh, uh, just a few years ago to have such quick communication around the world. So our interactions are a lot more. Amen. But as we go more and more and we see differences of of nationalities and things. There's a lot of different people around the world. There's a lot of different people. People are different everywhere around the world. And the same temptation back then can be the same temptation today. That the church ought to look like me, talk like me, sound like me, be like me. And when it's not like me or somebody's not like me, God doesn't love them the same measure. No, amen. Paul says, don't be ignorant of this. God loves them all. And you are Gentiles. God saved you, but God also still loves Israel. And even though they've turned their back on him and they've ran from him, God has promises that he's going to keep. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I am called and chosen. I'm thankful that God found me. Amen. 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 Somebody put your hands together. Hallelujah. We thank God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah for all those things. Praise God. Let me just give a word to the wise. Be careful 
Be careful. And this would be, this would be a very loose translation in 2020's uh, terminology of this passage of scripture. But be careful when your nationalism impedes your Christianity. Is that okay? Now, now I, I'm, I was born and raised in America. I thank God for the liberties and the blessings and the freedoms that we have. Yes, it's not a perfect nation. Yes, there was things. It's man-made, of course. It, it needs work. It, it always has needed work. But I thank God for the things that we do have. And I, I do ascribe to a certain uh, measure, uh, uh, definitely, of American exceptionalism with an asterisk there that what makes American America exceptional is not that it's America but it's when it's walked after the ways of the word of God or it's try to follow up. That's what makes it exceptional. But we cannot allow our nationalism to get in the way of outreach. And I thank God for this church being such a missions-minded church because while we thank God for what we do have and we can celebrate that and we can rejoice in that and we can seek to make it better, we realize that our nationalism does not get us past the grave. Amen. But what gets us past the grave what gets us past this life, amen, is not the country that I live in or was born in or the language that I speak, amen, but it's my citizenship of my soul and of my heart. Hallelujah, 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 amen. So don't be ignorant, don't be naive, don't be oblivious to this. Number three, let's go to number three. And 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. We're, we're, we're moving right along here. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And Paul says this. This chapter deals with spiritual gifts. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Here it is. I would not have you ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. Let's read on. You know that you were Gentiles carried away under these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give to you uh, uh, to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord, and there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh in Work which worketh all in all. Verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Here's number three. Paul's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant of this. What's he saying he doesn't want us to be ignorant of? Well, this is what he's saying. The necessity of the indwelling of the Holy Ghost and the operation of spiritual gifts in our life. The necessity of the Holy Ghost and the operation of spiritual gifts in our lives. Don't be ignorant of this. Don't be oblivious to it. Don't be naive. Don't be uninformed. You need the Spirit. The Spirit is not an auxiliary accessory to the kingdom of God. It is an absolute Amen. Hallelujah. I thought I'd get a strong amen. Amen. You must be filled with the Spirit. Paul says, be filled with 
The Spirit. It's an absolute. You need the Spirit of God inside of your life. We've got to walk in the Spirit. We've got to live in the Spirit. We need to receive the Spirit. It was so imperative. You go to Acts 2 and Acts uh, chapter number 8 and Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter number 19. All of those are verifiable testimonies, examples in the New Testament church that Luke no less than four times would make certain, certain was in his account of the Acts of the Apostles. And he lets us know that they were concerned with the evidence of the Holy Ghost, of the baptism of the Holy Ghost in their life, of the infilling of the Spirit, of a supernatural sign that was upon their life. It's not good enough just to have man's religion. It's not good enough just to follow traditions. But you need the seal of the supernatural upon your life. Hallelujah. You've got to have the spirit. Hear me today in 2020, COVID pandemic. This is our season. We don't have church as much as we used to. Amen. We're limited to how much church we're afraid. We're fearful. We're cautious. We're wise. We're not as attentive as we once were. Let's say before the pandemic, but let's be careful that we don't let that, that scale or that thermometer of our spirit of the Holy Ghost within us go down. Don't let that barometer drop. Amen. It may be longer now. Now between sessions that you're coming together and worshiping and praising God and magnifying the Lord and stirring up the gift within you. Amen. But we still have a responsibility to walk in the Spirit. Yes. We have just as much responsibility now as we did before the pandemic. Anybody ever been on fire for God before? We have just as much Amen. A responsibility to be on fire for God now as we did before the pandemic. Be careful. There is, there is a, uh, uh, what, would he, what would we call it? A, a, a lethargic spirit that overtakes people who live their lives in front of screens. That's been proven time and time and time again. No Christian even is making the argument. The secularists are making the argument. The first thing they'll say, turn the screen off, get outside, get some fresh air. There's a lethargic spirit. We've got to be careful. You, you're not, I'm not telling this just to you. I'm telling this just to me. We've got to be careful that our diet of faith and sermons and religions does not cause our spirit to just be feeding on these things, but not to be an exercise of the Holy Ghost within us. Hallelujah. We've got to have the Spirit in our life. And not only is there necessity of the Spirit, but he says, not only do you have to have the Spirit, but you've got to have the gifts of the Spirit in your life. Folks, the church should not be less spiritual. We should be more spiritual. Amen. There is a spiritual component. We call ourselves Pentecostals at times because we're talking and referring to the work of, 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 of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. What person says, now I know people are rejecting labels right now uh, sometimes, so they reject Pentecostalism because there is a lot of hokey stuff out there, a lot of fake, false, crazy, wacko stuff out there that's, that's not of the Spirit of God. But 
What person is going to deny the things that the Word of God tells us, living by the Spirit? We must live by the Spirit. Don't be uninformed. Don't be naive. Don't be oblivious to the fact that you need the Spirit of God in your life. Don't say, well, well, God, I'm paying my tithes. I don't know why my marriage isn't working. Hello? God, I, I, I go to church Once a week on Sunday morning, I don't know why everything's not working out. Because this has never been about the mechanisms and the machinery of paying tithes and going to church. This has always been about the Spirit of God working in my heart and in my life and in my soul. And I need the Spirit. You need the Spirit. We all need the Spirit. And Paul said, not only do we need the gift of the Holy Ghost for salvation, thank God for that, but he said, the Spirit gives us gifts and What are those gifts for? Those gifts are for the benefit of the body of Christ. They are to benefit one another. Somebody say amen. 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 So we go to, uh, uh, if I I would turn here to, uh, let's say here, verse, uh, let's go to the New Living Translation, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. He says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. All right. What's that tell me? That tells me if you're not full of the Spirit, you're not going to be much help to your brother and your sister in Christ. If you're not full of the Holy Ghost, and then he goes on and he talks about spiritual gifts. Now, can we, we, can we be honest with ourselves that sometimes we're afraid of spiritual gifts and we've seen abuses of spiritual gifts and we've seen people in charlatans and the world, by the way, the world rejects a lot of popular Christianity because what is perpetrated on television? Just, just if you've never tuned in, not everything that's calling itself Christianity on TV is good. Have you ever turned tuned in and, and ar- I, I, I don't do it anymore because I find myself arguing more than not. And, and, and that's what they're putting up. No, we need spiritual gifts in our own life. You need spiritual gifts in your own life. So, so where do I bring this down? Bring this down to where the rubber meets the road. We do not get to the place where we say, well, yes, I went to the altar and I repented and I was baptized in Jesus' name and I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you can name the date and it's an anniversary that you celebrate every year. And then you you go on and you forget about that. Paul says you should have a gifting of the Spirit within your own life. Too often, now I thank God for pastors. I thank God for pastors. I am a pastor and I am here to serve. As pastor, I'm the chief servant, if anything other. If there's any any really title, that's what it means. I'm the chief servant. If anybody ought to be praying, it ought to be the pastor. That's a good place to see. It's okay to say amen on that. If anybody ought to be reading the Bible, it ought to be the pastor. Amen. If anybody ought to know the word, it ought to be the pastor. But we should not get to a place, and this is what Paul's saying, don't get to a place where you just expect me to be your apostle and you don't need the gifts of the spirit working in your own life. 
Don't get to the place where you think, well, this is just for pastor, or this is just for so-and-so, or this is just for so this person. No, if you have a home and you live in a house, you are responsible for the spirit that walks through those doors. You are responsible for the spiritual gift that is evident in that place. If you're a father or a mother, if you're a husband or a wife, and you have a family and you have a gathering, I feel the Holy Ghost here. You are responsible for the spiritual gift that's in that place. And can I tell you, God is freely willing to give it. Amen. Yes, pastor's here. Yes, there are other people that God will send to help you and send an affirming word, but God can speak through you and to you because of the spirit of God that's in your life. There can be a gift of faith and a gift of healing and a discerning of spirits within the home of every born again believer of God. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. So in this world of of immediate interaction where we can send a message on Facebook, we can text right away and we know whether or not they saw it, got it, received it, read it. There are still places when you can't get a hold of pastor. There are still times where you're not going to be able to get a hold of anybody. Anybody remember that? I remember as a child having rapture scares, thinking the Lord had come and I always knew I could call grandma. (laughs) <laughs> and if grandma answered the phone, yeah, right. I was all right. If grandma's still here, then I know, I know I'm good. Anybody else ever do that? Yes, and uh, thank you. Thank you for being honest, Sister Natasha. And, uh, you know, you call. And I remember one day I called grandma and her phone just rang and rang. and rang. It was before voicemails. Back in those days, it rang. It would ring forever. And I'm on there 10 minutes. I'm praying, oh, Lord, let her bring her back. God, 20 minutes, bring her back. Let her answer that phone, Lord. And I'm going to tell you, when you can't get a hold of people, you have something more powerful than grandma. That's the power of the Holy Ghost inside of your life. And we've got to mature to a place of that. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't be ignorant of it. Don't be oblivious. Don't be naive to that. Amen. Number four, first, second Corinthians. Let's go to second Corinthians. Number four, second Corinthians chapter number one. And if you have the Dakes Annotated Bible, this is where he lists the list off in the left side margin. I know some of you have the Dakes. It's, it's, it's a great asset, can be a great tool at times. Paul says this in verse 8, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out a measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. The fourth thing that Paul wants us to know, he doesn't want us to be oblivious to, is the reality and purpose of suffering in the Christian life. Don't be ignorant that there will be times you will suffer. Don't be ignorant that in the walk with God, it's not always going to be lilies and roses. It's not always going to be sunshine. But some days there's going to be heartbreak and setback and disappointment and trials that seem insurmountable. He said, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, of our troubles our troubles which caused us to be pressed out of measure above strength more than I could handle in so much he said that I despaired even 
of life. I got weary with living. I got weary with dealing with it. Can I tell you, don't be ignorant of this. There's one thing we ought to know. So many times people, I've been on the phone this week with several different people. Just this week, out of state, ministers, elsewhere, we sign up for this and we give our life for the cause of the kingdom. We think it's all going to be revival and miracles and it's going to be blessings and, and people giving us church vans and opening up doors. But then Paul says, don't be naive. Don't be oblivious. There have been days when I have despaired even of my life. Hear me today. If you're living in 2020 and this pandemic hasn't touched you in certain ways. You think you're okay, but in other ways you're despairing. There's a heaviness. You don't know why it's there. You're suffering. Can I tell you, you are in good company. You're in good company. You're human. Don't mistake yourself. Don't mistake your choice. Don't look and say, I made the wrong decision. Don't, don't allow the enemy to say it's not been worth it. Because Paul goes on and he says, but we have the sins of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. What he was saying, amen, in, in, in 2 Corinthians, if we'll go here to the New Living Translation, he said this, we, we think you ought to know about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. Hallelujah. Can I tell you, sometimes God allows the storm to come so that you're reminded that he can step out of the boat and calm the winds and the waves. Sometimes he allows the rain to fall so that he can remind you, amen, hallelujah, that your strength doesn't come from yourself, but it comes from God above. Oh, somebody lift your hands and thank God today. I feel a help coming on. I feel a help coming on. Hallelujah. 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 Don't be oblivious. Don't be oblivious of this. That if you are in a trial, God knows where you're at and God loves you and God's trying to let you know you got to learn to lean on him. You've got to trust in him. You've got to learn to depend on him. Amen. Amen. I love the old song, through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Hallelujah. I've learned to trust in him. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. Don't be naive. Don't be ignorant. Amen. Keep the faith. Hang in there. Stay with it. God, amen, can raise the dead. <laughs> Paul gets to a place, he says, when I stopped trusting myself, I didn't even worry about the, being dead because if God had a purpose, God could raise the dead. So when you're sick and the doctor says, well, hey, there's nothing more we can do than you put your trust in God and say, okay, God, it's in your hands. If you will it, you will do it. And so, Lord, I want to live beneath your will and beneath the authority of who you are, God. I need a miracle. 
Amen. I need a miracle. We were just talking this week of how many, three times this year, God sent a miracle to my door. Three times this year, God sent a manifest miracle to my door. Every time I tried to chase it down and tried to find it, and I could not figure out where it came from. I'm going to tell you, God can send a raven by a brook to sustain you. God can make the oil, amen, in that vessel continue. God can send healing in the bitter waters just like that. Hallelujah. You've got to learn to depend upon Him. Number five, and I'm coming to a close. Number five, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 4. Hallelujah. We okay? Amen. Is this good stuff? Amen. Don't you love though? I don't want to be oblivious to these things. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I would not have you... To be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Paul said this, I don't want you to be ignorant. He said about them who are asleep. He was not mistaken about their physical state. He knew they were dead. They were buried. They had passed on. But he did not speak the word dead. He did not speak the word death. In fact, if you go throughout the New Testament, whenever they talked about the passing away of a saint, the New Testament tradition and custom is they did not call them dead and they did not speak of death because they understood that their perspective was that it was not final. They only said they were asleep. Yes, they knew what tomb they laid behind. Yes, they knew what plot they were buried in, but they refused to call it final. I would not have you be ignorant, amen, that our life is so much more than the flesh clay that walks this terra firma, amen, but when life on this earth is over, there is coming a day where the Lord himself shall descend with a shout and we're going to be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air oh somebody rejoice that I have a hope and I have a promise hallelujah number five you ought not be ignorant of the second coming of Jesus and the hope of the resurrection that's why we don't despair like the rest of the world despairs 
That's why I can't, I can't, I can't agree with Drudge's headlines in these last few days because every day you get on, it's the end of the world. It's doom and gloom and despair. But when I read it, I see the word of God being fulfilled just like he said it's going to be fulfilled. And if that's carrying out, then that means my hope draweth nigh. Amen. My redemption draweth nigh. And there is a comfort that comes from this truth, Paul says, comfort one another with these words. I'm going to tell you, you will never find comfort in the temporal. You will never find comfort in the temporal. That's why Paul says, don't be oblivious of this. If you're a Christian in the faith, in the household of faith, and you don't have comfort, it may be because you're trying to get comfort in all the wrong places. Your materialism will not comfort you. Your, your achievements will not comfort you. Your successes will not comfort you. Your friends, even your friends and your peers and who you know and by whom you're known and how many people follow you, that will not comfort you. But what will comfort you is the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I say it to everyone. I, it, it, it is a comfort to each of us, to all of us, no matter where we're at, at what point in what walk, with li- walk of life that we find ourselves. Our comfort is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our comfort is in the second coming of the Lord. And the, he's the first fruits of the resurrection in the resurrection of our life. Amen. Everlasting. Don't be oblivious. Don't be oblivious. Too many people, it's shocking to me that people go to church, that go to church that don't believe in heaven and hell. It's amazing to me the people that say hell is just an allegory, it's just a typology, and therefore heaven's not really real either, and it's just it's just about how you live life right now. We, we don't even know. People live after those things, how hollow, how shallow that is. There's nothing to hold on to. There's nothing to cling to when you're in those last moments of life or you're standing there with somebody who's getting ready to pass through to the other side. They want an assurance. They're not worried. They can't go back. They know they're looking for something to hold on to. They're looking for a security. Can I tell you, there is a hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Don't ever despise the hope that you have in Christ. Thank God for our successes. Thank God for your blessings. I, I pray God bless all of you. It'd be all right with me if you all become millionaires. God just bless you all. That'd be all right. I, there's no problem. Don't be envious of somebody when God blesses them in the church. They work hard, whatever. Something happens, they go through and get some successes and make some good decisions in their life. As long as they're doing that honestly and just, God bless them. Let them enjoy the fruits of, of the blessings of life. There's no, but I'm going to tell you, that won't hold you over. That's why when you come to the New Testament church, the portrait of the church, you look on the pew, you see on the pew, you see the richest among Rome. Did you know that the city treasurer of Rome attended the church, was a part of a believer? Paul greets him at the end of the church. Did you know in that same epistle, Paul says, such were some of you. And when he says that, he said, some of you were murderers. And he goes through a pretty, pretty lewd list of what they were. 
in one gospel in the book of Rome. He, he's Romans, he's acknowledging there's the city treasure. He's acknowledging both ex-convicts and city officials in the same household. They weren't brought together by their social status. They weren't brought together by their education or what clubs they were in. They were brought together by the hope that they had in Jesus Christ. And that's why when we walk through those doors, it doesn't matter how, how jalopy your old car is or how fancy and fine it is. When we come through those doors, we both lift up holy hands. Amen. I don't have to lift up my hand as high just because I have something better than you. Oh, no. I lift my hand up just as high. I come to the same altar of repentance. I come to the same cross. And I received the same blessing of the Spirit of God inside of my heart. That's my comfort. That's my comfort. Oh, can you stand together with me tonight? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Can we thank the Lord? Can we thank the Lord together tonight? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The last truth that God gave, Paul gives us, he says, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And he says this, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant. And he goes through the story, how that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. They were baptized into Moses and in the cloud, and they ate the same spiritual meat, did drink the same spiritual drink. They drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. The rock was Christ. But then in verse 5, he says, But many of them God was not well pleased. They were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these were our example. And as he goes on and he talks about all that they did, idolaters and fornicators, and talks about how they tempted Christ. He says, don't let us tempt Christ. Neither murmur as they murmured. In verse 11, he says, all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for your admonition upon whom the ends of the world come. Verse 12, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. You know what Paul's saying? He said, I don't want you to be ignorant of the truth of this reality that God's judgment comes to those who walk away because they have no excuse. God makes a way. You can get through this. You can make it. You can be delivered. You can be restored. You can be healed. You can be set free. You will come out. Amen. Of a fiery furnace. You will make it through this because God is on your side. Oh, let's lift our hands and thank the Lord. Come on for his faithfulness. Hallelujah, Lord. I thank you tonight, God. I thank you, Lord, for your truth. God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for every promise that you've given to us tonight. Lord, I thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Let the word of God strengthen us, God. Admonish us, Lord, not to quit, not to despair, not to give in. But God, let us have a comfort in our heart. God, let us have an assurance in our soul in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, somebody thank the Lord. Come on, can you lift your voice? I thank you, Jesus, tonight. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.
Amen. Don't be oblivious. Amen. Six things you should know. I touched on these so quick. I hope you took notes. I hope you were writing those down. If not, go back, watch this, study these out. You could go back to each of these and study these in your private devotions. These would be wonderful things, points of encouragements to go back, write them down, write them in the back of your Bible and just remember them to recall yourself to. Amen. Thank you for being in the house of God tonight. Amen. Don't forget Sunday, register online. It is live at CTK. O'Fallon.com. You can go there right now and you can register. Amen. It's first come, first serve for the first 100. And we're looking forward to a great time. Amen. God bless you. You can be dismissed tonight. Go in grace and peace in Jesus' name.